I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. Hi, I'm Michael Caine. And I'm here with a very good friend of mine called Ruthie Rogers. I often say that the real reason I have a restaurant is that once a week, I get to walk Michael Caine from table four through a crowded restaurant to his car and say goodnight to a man I admire and I adore. Is that me? <laughs> oh yeah, well I love the restaurant. Well, I always say, what do we always say? We, now we both say it, the only reason she has a restaurant. She gets to In each episode, my guest reads a recipe they have chosen from one of our cookbooks. I talk about food, the food they cook, the food they eat, and most of all, the food of their memories. The River Cafe. Have a dessert which is my favourite, and it's called Panna Cotta with Grappa. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the recipe in case you want to make it for yourself. <laughs> OK? Pour 900 milligrams of cream into a pan, add the vanilla pods, add the lemon rind, bring to the boil, simmer, and reduce by a third. Pass through a sieve, then scrape the seeds from inside the vanilla pods back into the cream and discard the outer pods. Remove the gelatine from the milk, heat the milk until hot, then return the gelatine to the milk and stir until dissolved. Pour through a sieve into a hot cream and leave to cool, stirring occasionally. Lightly whip the remaining cream with the icing sugar, fold it into the cold cream mixture and then add grappa. It is now ready to be poured into six small bowls and put into the fridge for at least three hours. Or, if you like, overnight. So, Michael, here we are yep. at the River Cafe. But let's go back to the beginning. You were born in London? Yeah, I was born in Bermondsey, which is South London. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Cockney because I was born in a part of Bermondsey, which is opposite Bow Bells. Okay. And if you're born within the sound of Bow Bells, you're a Cockney. What about food? Do you have memories of food? Yeah, I, my memory of food of is food. this. My father was a Billingsgate fish market porter, mm-hmm. and he was a big gambler. Huh. And so he never bought steak or anything. It was too dear. But he used to nick a lot of fish. Huh. So for 15 years, I ate fish, every kind of fish you can imagine. And I realised that's a very healthy thing. Mm. And also another accidental healthy thing for me was the Second World War. You couldn't get any sugar. You couldn't Mm. get any of those things, those Mm. drinks that you have Mm. now with all this sugar in it. Mm. Then I was evacuated into the country, Mm -hmm. away from the smog, which in Bermondsey then was terrible because everyone had coal fires. But I was evacuated to the country and I lived on a farm for six years. Do you remember the food there? Oh, the food was wonderful. I mean, some of the food I caught myself because I could outrun a rabbit and I used to catch a rabbit with a stick. Did you? And give it to my mother to cook for dinner. Pheasant. 
partridge. Remember all those things. And so thinking back on it, health-wise, yeah. I was very lucky. And on top of all that, my mother insisted I ate porridge for breakfast for 15 years. So, so it was healthy. You, know, you had fish, you had pheasant, you had rabbit. Porridge, rabbit, had we had that, everything. So. And fresh vegetables. We lived on a farm. Yeah. We used to go and nick the cabbage. Mm-hmm. And eventually we came back to London and the council gave us a prefabricated house which was made of asbestos and they mm-hmm. put them up like in two weeks. And people were sort of sympathising with people like me who were having to live in these prefabricated houses. Mm-hmm. And what they didn't know was what life was like before. Because in the flat we lived in, when I was a little boy, there was no toilet for a start. You had to go down to the garden. So I had very strong legs. Or you bought a pot, a pitch pot, you know. But when we walked into the prefab the first time, my brother Stanley and I, we were stunned. We were in a place which for the first time had electric light, an indoor toilet, and it had a little garden. It was unbelievable. In the middle of London, in the Elephant Castle. Do you remember the kitchen? The kitchen was lovely. It was an electric stove and a refrigerator. You know, it was a refrigerator. We'd never seen a refrigerator. And we had a bathroom. I mean, when we used to have a bath in the kitchen, in a bathroom, my mother used to pour hot water in in the kettle. So imagine your mother and father moving with their children to this prefabricated house which had had a bathroom, it had a kitchen, it had a view, it had a garden. So how do you think that changed her way of being with you and cooking for you? It it was fabulous for her because it cut out masses of work to do things, you know, Mm. and she was so happy and the, the food got even better. Why do you like the panna cotta? Well, the panna cotta has little bits of fruit in it. Yeah. And I can eat that without conscience because I thought I'm eating fruit. <laughs> you know, and I said, oh, look, there's a blackberry there. There's and a I bit of that. rhubarb, yeah. And I just happen to have a little bit of extra panna cotta with it because I'm quite old and I can't stuff down sugar as much as I'd like to. And there's quite a lot of sugar in it. There's quite a bit. But I've just you, read the recipe. You just you, read the recipe. Have you ever made it? Oh, no. I never make desserts. No, you I, don't. I only do Why main courses and veg because I'm afraid of eating them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And what do you make when you make a main course? What do you like to cook? Well, I'm the one responsible in the house for Sunday lunch. So I do roast beef, roast lamb, Christmas. I do the roast turkey. Oh. I do the best, allegedly, the best roast potatoes anybody who ever oh. came ever eaten. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm What's very your good secret? at that. Oh, the trick is when they're cooked, is to mash them just a little bit, oh. just crack them open, put oil on them, and then bake them again. So okay. the oil's got baked inside. Oh. Yeah. All right, we're going to try it. that. But I've, I've never eaten panna cotta in any other restaurant oh. but yours. Okay, well, we'll and have I, to. And I always eat it every time I come. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. I know. You come usually on a Wednesday or Thursday. You always yeah. sit on table four, yeah. and you always sit at the same seat. And I was just wondering how you feel about restaurants and food. Well, I love restaurants. I've owned a couple. Mm. I don't use restaurants for occasions. Yeah. Restaurants are a part of my life. Because your mom worked in the Lion's Corner House, didn't Yeah, you? my mother was a cook As in the Lion's cook. Corner House. That was the first sort of brasserie in England yeah. that I ever saw. There were no brasseries in England. Yeah. But Lion's Corner House was a brasserie, I realised later, when I went to France. Yeah. And loved brasseries in France. And I came back to England and I met Peter Langen. And we both said, there isn't a brasserie in mm-hmm. London. Mm-hmm. 
And we opened Langer's Brasserie together. What was it like being involved in a restaurant? Fabulous. What did you I, like I about it. it? Well, I loved the idea right from the start of designing the restaurant and then getting drunk for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what did, how did you design it? What would your design be of the well, ideal restaurant? Our design restaurant? there is, I said, how are we going to design this? Peter Langer, my mm -hmm. partner, he said, we've got masses of walls. It was an enormous restaurant. Right. He said, we cover them with pictures, paintings. I said, paintings? I said, I'm the money. I, I can't, I can't. He said, no. He said, we'll get wonderful paintings for very little money because I have the perfect partner who's going to help me choose them. I said, what's his name? He said, David Huckney. <laughs> David even did the menu for our restaurant. Yeah. So I had a great time. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. When you sort of started out acting and being an actor on your own, was food important to you then? Would you grab something or did you go back to your No, house? I used to go to the cheapest possible restaurant I could find. I mean, I had mm. no money. I found an Italian restaurant in Soho that served three-course meal for half a crown. Half a crown. Two and six. I interviewed Paul McCartney the other day and he was telling me that the first really good meal that he remembers was going with George Martin to L'Etoile, and that was an awakening for him of what food could be. Do you yeah. remember an experience going from inexpensive, you know, yeah. cheap well, restaurants to actually having your first meal? Well, my first thing was when my dad died, he left me a bit of money, about £100, and I was so sad, I thought, I'm going to get on a train and go to Paris. Yeah. And I got on a train on my own and went to Paris, and I stayed there for about seven months, and... I adored the food in Paris. I loved it, but I adore English. I, Do you remember how old people. you were when you went to Paris? I was 17. 17? Yeah. So you took the 100 pounds. Did the 100 pounds last you seven months? No, I worked. Oh. I used to sell on the street freet, freet for a franc. You used yeah. to get a freet for a franc. Nice. I used to sell that. And I had a French mate who had a cafe, so I ate there. And then I had an American friend, another sort of sure. broke like me, and he worked in the uh, air terminal. So oh. I used to go in there and I could get free food from him and I used to have mm. an empty suitcase and I'd sleep on the sofa as I was waiting for a plane Did if you? I didn't have enough money. Yeah. But I love Paris and, and I learned to speak French. I speak very good French. That's good. 
Do you remember like the first grand meal that you had when you had money? Were you taken to a restaurant and had something amazingly sophisticated to eat and that made you interested in food, even what food could yeah, be? Yeah, the restaurant was the White Elephant. Oh. That was in Curzon Street. Yes, yes. And we went there, I'm trying to think what the hell it was we had. Oh, it was to do with caviar. Ah. And there was caviar all over the place. And I never got over that. I'd never eaten caviar. I obviously couldn't afford it. But then this whole dish was caviar. Yeah. It was wonderful. I know who it was, too. Harry Saltzman ah. had given me the part in Ypres file. And he took me to the White Elephant. And, of course, I was under contract. You know, I could have anything I liked. And I suddenly realised that's what my life was going to be. Ah, but having great food could be possible. Yeah, having enough money to have great food. Because I think food is an aspiration, isn't it? Having great food is something that you can. it's lovely. It opens you up to a world. It's why I come here. What about when you went to make the Italian job in Italy? What was that like? Oh, I had a wonderful time. It was a great restaurant every evening. Did they cook on set? Do you eat? No, like, no, we didn't like, bother much with lunch because a, a movie is a hard thing to make, you know, especially mm. one with all those cars and crowds like mm. the Italian job. So we concentrated on that all day. I mean, you'd wind up having a sandwich or a bowl of spaghetti, but then you'd have a great meal in the evening. And if you are in a film, do you really try and avoid food or do you find it's good to sit down and have No, a I avoid food. Yeah, I don't want to go to sleep in the afternoon when I'm supposed to be doing 10 pages of dialogue. Food makes you go to sleep. When you make movies in L.A., is there a restaurant that you go to over oh, and over yeah, again? Oh, yeah, Chasen's. We ate at Chasen's. Tell us about Chasen's. Chasen's was almost like a club. I used to go there every Friday, and you look around the room, and Alfred Hitchcock was always sitting there. Kerry Grant was over there, <laughs> you know, and it, it was one of those incredible places, you know. But you... Everybody only ever went to the same restaurant on the same day. If you went to Chasen's on a Tuesday, it would have been crowded, but there'd be no stars there. The stars were there Friday night. And Spargo was another one. Mm. Thursday, everyone was in Spargo. Mm. And the great thing about that is that there was great food and great atmosphere, but there were stars everywhere. Mm. Just all the movie stars I've been seeing in movies all my life. My grandfather knew Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock was born in South London. Mm-hmm. His father had a grocery store next door to my great-grandfather. With Alfred Hitchcock, when I went to Universal making a picture, Gambit with Shirley MacLaine, I was given a dressing room bungalow next door to his. His was a permanent one. It was always there. Mine was a temporary one. And I got to know him very well, both from South London. And I said to him one day, I saw, I, said, I said, I saw strangers on a train. And there wasn't one shot of a train in the entire movie yeah. going along a track to somewhere. He said, whose viewpoint on the train would that have been? Oh. <laughs> and there, in one line, he summed up directing movies. And I remember that. You never did a movie with Hitchcock, did you? I bet people who did movies mm. with him. And they loved him, you know. I never did. I never got that lucky. If you sit near the wood oven, you get a great view of what we're cooking, whether it's Dover soles, turbots, pigeons, or pieces of beef. Today, we're making potatoes, lemon, oregano, parsley, and black olive al forno. Potatoes are in here now with all the herbs, good olive oil, seasoned well. I'm going to incorporate all the Amalfi lemons, chopped, and chopped garlic, a little bit later. 
If I put them in too soon, the garlic would probably go too quickly, as with the lemon. Now the potatoes have had a bit of a head start, then we'll get all the lemon and the garlic in there, and they will all come together. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. The other thing I think about restaurants, having worked in one and having an open kitchen, really seeing the people who come in, is that people do very private things in a public space. So they'll use a restaurant to fire someone, or they'll use a restaurant oh, to yeah, commit yeah. an affair, or they'll use a restaurant to oh, yeah. get divorced. You see a lot of tears. If you talk to my waiters, they will tell you about the amazing amount of people who cry. Well, people at my table cry. have cried, but with laughter. Because yeah. I'm always doing jokes yeah. and stuff, you yeah. know. I consider myself a tough comedian. But when you've been asked to be in a movie, you've had meetings with... You know, oh, producers yeah. I've been, and directors. I've been to, and, in Hollywood, you're always with executives and yeah. it's quite serious. But it's never dinner. It's always lunch. It's always lunch, I will yeah. never discuss business at dinner. Okay. You've got to come to lunch for that because I'm not wasting a dinner doing this. Yeah. You know. Do you think that's just you or is it? It's most people. You go into Hollywood restaurants at lunchtime. And it's all business. Yeah. It's all business lunches. When Richard and I went to New York, the thing that I was really interested in was we were often taken out to lunch by his clients to the Four Seasons and the Secret Building. And the thing I still notice is that nobody drinks. No. You know, Richard asked for a glass of white wine, and I think they oh, thought yeah. he was an alcoholic. Yeah, nobody, you know, having yeah. and, if you, and if you go around, they're having fantastic food, but with iced tea. Like with New York, I find a restaurant and live in it. Yeah. My restaurant in New York was Elaine's. Yeah. Elaine was a lady who owned this restaurant, yeah. was named after her. And she was one of my closest friends, and she was everyone's closest friend, yeah. not just mine. And you always met people there, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was a very showbiz area. Yeah. Very showbiz. I know for myself that people will re return to a restaurant where they're welcomed with warmth, with kindness, mm. and the food might not be the top priority, but people will come back to a restaurant if their chicken was overcooked or their lemon tart was a bit, you mm. know, curdly. But I certainly will not go back to a restaurant where I've been treated badly or I've been, people have been arrogant or, you know, you yeah, go I, for, I, you I, want I, people to feel safe when they I'm go in a restaurant. I'm trying to remember a restaurant where I got treated badly. I, n I never did because I, I, yeah. I'm so fussy about restaurants and yeah. I read about them, you know, before yeah. I go the first time. Yeah. 
And I've always been in restaurants all over the world, but the River Cafe in particular, someone took me there the first time and I was stunned by the restaurant. Why? I had never seen a restaurant like that. It was the highest restaurant I'd been in, the widest. And being well-known and people mm. coming asking for autographs, you sit so far apart from each other mm. that no-one recognises you, mm. especially if, like me, you've got a baseball cap and dark mm. glasses mm. on, you know? That helps. And you can see all the staff cooking. Mm. And there was a big boiler doing pizzas <laughs> with great big flames coming out. You would be meaning the wood oven. The wood yeah. oven, yeah. And I had never seen a restaurant like that. I mean, in the 60s, the big popular restaurants were small Italian brasseries, which took mm. over from the English restaurant, mm. you know, where you had to leave at sort of nine o'clock. About half past eight, you'd see the head waiter looking at his watch going, really? when are these bloody people yeah. leaving? But what there was also, you see, is the timing. You can stay as long as you like. Yeah. You leave when you finish the dinner, mm. not when the waiters have got fed up. I think that when Rose and I started the River Cafe, we were at a point in restaurant world, and it wasn't just us. It was Alice Walters in San Francisco and Sally Clark in London and Roly Lee in London as well. And I think we were at a point where you could either go to a very, very established, well-cooked meal, formal. It was an occasion. Yeah. You would go out, you'd dress up, and you'd be humiliated by the wine waiter, you know, but you would have a good meal. Yeah, yeah. And then there were the kind of, like you say, the the cheap Italians or the Greek yeah. or the, the places where you could go and have a great time, but maybe not eat so well. And we thought, well, why can't you combine the two? Why can't you do a place that has That's elegance right. and it has drama, yeah. all the things we look for, but also you could have fun. From my point of view, as an actor, I realised that I love writing. I'm writing a book now, another I'm... one, yeah. And I love to garden, and I love to cook. Yeah. And if you think of the three things, you do them on your own. My life is spent with 150 people all day. And when I go home, I write, cook or garden, all on my own. And that's why I chose those things. I didn't know I'd chosen them for that. One of the questions that I ask everybody at the end of the conversation is, we have food when we're hungry, we have food when we're celebrating, but sometimes we just want food for comfort. What would that be, your comfort food? Well, in years ago, it was sausage and mash. Yes. Now it's caviar. Ah, oh, OK. <laughs> to visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are 
and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.